history tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 49th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And today's show, we are featuring Pocatello High School in Idaho. Yes, and this is going to be a really good one for anybody who survived what we thought were the horrors of high school. I know. Usually we had to worry about maybe a bully in the hallway, just not fitting in, acne, trying to get somebody to pay attention to you that you're interested in, going on a date with, or all the other angst that goes with being a teen. Imagine throwing into all of that a haunted high school. (laughs) Haunts. This came up on our radar because I have been looking for some paranormal news to include in our newsletter. And if you haven't signed up for that newsletter, you can do it over at our website. This story had come up from January of 2015 with this closed circuit TV video that it's pretty compelling. We do have the video up in the show notes for today. Have a look at it. See what you think. Is that a ghostly figure? Is it just a piece of dust, lint, something like that in front of the video camera? I don't know. It looked very similar to me. Denise, is that video that we saw from Disneyland? Exactly. And and uh, supposedly um, the security camera like images can't be altered. So I don't know how true that is. But And speaking of Disneyland or Disney, you know, we're big fans here. We actually got to go and hang out last evening with some teachers from Ed Camp Magic. And they kind of, this is a group that incorporates some of the Disney teachings, philosophy, innovations in the classroom. Which is very, very cool seeing how so many of the classrooms have just gotten to be kind of a blase fair, same old, same old. And just some of their ideas and things they did were absolutely phenomenal. Well, one of the teachers, her name is Shauna, and she was sitting next to me, and she's from Canada. And I told her after listening to the cool stuff she does in her classroom, oh, I wish you had been my teacher. I would have loved school then. Exactly. But not only did we find out the teachers were there, we had people who knew about hauntings, so it was really a double a double whammy fun to get to know what they're doing. They got to share their experiences with us, with what we're doing, so it was just a really great evening. Thank you so much, Howie, for putting that together. As a matter of fact, one of the guys, his name was Ryan, he came up to us and we told him, oh yeah, well, we do this podcast about haunted history, and he's like, oh, my mother-in-law is really into haunted history, and we said, oh, that's cool, and he goes, yeah, she's from St. Louis, and She's actually works at the Lent Mansion. And we're like, are you kidding us? <laughs> we're we've like, actually we did, done a show on that. We're like, we did a show on that. And what really is a bummer is we actually had passed through the area, you know, on our road trip. We stopped in St. Charles rather than in St. Louis. But I'm like, oh, man, if we would have known that, we could have stopped at the Lent Mansion and gotten a private tour, maybe. Especially since he said our dogs could have probably gone. And I had to miss the St. Charles tour because I was puppy sitting, although it was a great tour. And Diane got a lot of great info. But... I could have gone on the one with his mother-in-law. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to check that out in the future because we are in that area every so often because we have family there. And Jeff Dixon, who's written the book collection Key to the Kingdom, which is about Disney and the history and that kind of stuff, he was talking about the church that he has his services out of right now and where his office is at in Longwood, Florida. He's like, oh, yeah, that one's haunted. And this is a pastor. And when he told us his experience, we're like, 
okay, you know, it's like when police officers or firemen or somebody in the military tells you something, people perk up and listen because they're like, well, they're not going to make up some story about something. Well, you know, same thing for a pastor, Denise. It's like he's not just going to make that up. Exactly. And the thing that I, I really loved about his story when they disclosed to him that the place was haunted and, you know, there were some fears about it. And so he asked, which was the most haunted room, which is usually the room you don't want. And when she told him that's the one he actually wanted and she goes, are you kidding? He goes, he goes, well, what I figure is game on. And so it was really neat. And we definitely have on our list to, to make a trip up to Longwood, A, to visit his church, which I would love to go to one of his services because he uses a lot of innovative types of preaching. But B, also to visit his place of business. And here he has a book on the history of not only the building he's in, but in the whole surrounding area. So that would be fascinating and fun. And I have a feeling we'll be featuring that the Longwood Village Inn in a future broadcast. Oh, definitely. If you would like to check out our website, you can do that at historygoesbump.com. It's got the links to get to our blog. Our archives are up there. The 10 most recent shows are on the front page where you can find us on social media. If you want to subscribe to the Crew Review newsletter, if you would like to donate to the show, you can do all of that there. We also have the Emporium up there. And from June 8th, to June 11th of 2015, they have 15% off accessories. If there's something you'd like to pick up there, it does help the show. And we just want to let Levi know your mug is in the mail. So. It's on the way, Levi, so be looking for it. Hey, Denise, if people want to contact us for any reason, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Are you ready to go to the haunted high school? In Pocatello, you betcha. like to support the show please visit our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com The Sunday Capitol printed a story in 1885 detailing some letters written by a dead man after he died as follows, quote, A very remarkable case has come to my attention through a friend in the pension office, which furnishes incidents for a novel as powerful as any Dumas or Eugene Sue ever used. In 1864, a lieutenant from an Ohio village was killed in one of the battles in Virginia, and his body was sent home, buried with military honors, and a handsome monument erected over it by the citizens of the place. Thousands of people paid their tributes of honor to the young hero and looked upon his face as the body lay in the town hall. He left a widow to whom he'd been married only a year, and for more than 20 years, she's been trying to get a pension. But although she keeps fresh flowers upon her husband's grave, she cannot prove that he is dead. The records in the adjutant general's office are perfect, and affidavits can be furnished from thousands of people who saw and recognized his lifeless body. But every few months, she receives a letter from him written in a hand as familiar as her own. Two letters never come from the same place. Now they are postmarked in Colorado, then in Texas, then in New York. Once she got a note from him dated at Washington. He appears to know what is going on at home and always alludes to local occurrences with a familiarity that is amazing. He sends messages to old friends and gives her advice about business matters which it seems impossible for a stranger to know. She cannot answer these ghostly missives because he never gives any clue to his whereabouts and no detective has ever been able to find him. Her friends believe that the writer is some crank or malicious person who takes this way to annoy her. 
and the distress the poor woman suffers cannot be measured by any other human experience. Long ago, she ceased to open envelopes which came with a familiar address but sends them sealed to her attorney, who uses every possible means to secure a clue to the identity of the writer. The only circumstances to suggest that it may possibly be her husband are the penmanship and the familiarity the writer shows with the lady's private life, but how he could keep himself posted is another mystery, which cannot be solved. Several times the writer is intimated that he might soon pay her a visit, but the next letter always contains an apology for not having done so. The woman has suffered agony of mind beyond description and her life has been ruined by this horrible mystery. But of late she's become more resigned and would neither be surprised or disappointed if her husband should someday walk into her door. End quote. Whether her husband was writing her from the grave or someone was playing around, the whole experience certainly was odd. Pulling the covers up tight, that chill you feel isn't the air conditioning. <laughs> this day in history. On this day, June 9th in 68 AD, Emperor Nero ends his tyrannical reign at his own hand. The Emperor Claudius was granduncle to Nero, and he adopted the young man so that he could become his heir. Claudius had shared rule with Caligula, who had been one of the most evil leaders of all time. He had been murdered by members of the government to put a stop to his brutal ways in 41 AD. When Claudius was murdered by his wife in 54 AD, Nero became emperor and ruled from 54 to 68 AD. Nero's reign was challenged by his mother at a later date, and she pushed for Nero's stepbrother to become emperor because he was the true blood heir. Nero poisoned the boy. Nero ordered the murder of his mother in 59 AD. Nero would also have his wife, Octavia, executed after their divorce, which he initiated because he had impregnated another woman who he later married. That woman was kicked to death by Nero when she was pregnant with their second child. Nero drove the empire into debt with his lavish building, but many of the people loved him. In 64 AD, Rome burned, and it is believed that Nero had the fire started. The saying that Nero fiddled while Rome burned developed during this time. Restoration challenged the treasury even more. Nero blamed Christians for the fire and had them executed. Nero began to take power away from the Senate, despite promising them that he was pushing for a Republican government. In 65 AD, the Senate realized that they had no power and they began plotting the Pisonian Conspiracy. This conspiracy consisted of a plan by Gaius Calpurnius Piso to have Nero assassinated with the support of the Senate and then become emperor. It fell, and those involved were executed or forced to commit suicide. The Senate called for Nero to appear before them and were preparing a way to have Nero's life preserved after a rebellion arose among governors. Nero had been abandoned before this by everyone, including his guard, so he thought that the Senate was going to torture him to death. He decided to commit suicide, but he chickened out and begged his private secretary to help kill him, which he did. Pocatello High School in Idaho is a beautiful historic school that has made the top 10 on a very unique list. Pocatello is one of the top 10 scariest high schools in America. Notice it didn't say most haunted, Denise. No, Diane, it's one of the top 10 scariest. (laughs) There's more to this revelation than just whispered rumors among students in the hallways. Closed Circuit TV has picked up strange anomalies. 
One would think a school in Idaho would not be a place where multiple deaths have occurred, but Pocatello is different. One of the deaths was even part of a twisted suicide pact. Come with us back to school as we explore the halls and classrooms of Pocatello High School. The city of Pocatello is known as the Gateway to the Northwest. The Shoshone and Bannock tribes had lived in the area for hundreds of years. The leader of the Shoshone was Chief Pocatello, and that is how the city derived its name. Fur traders were the first white men to come through the area. Nathaniel Wyeth was a Massachusetts businessman who headed west, leading two expeditions to the Pacific Northwest. He saw great promise in the area of agriculture, fishing, fur trading, and lumber. The second expedition led to Wyeth establishing Fort Hall in the area in 1834. He promoted the Oregon Trail heavily and helped Methodist missionaries on their way to Oregon. He would finally head back to Massachusetts for good in 1836 after giving up on his expedition due to unforeseen circumstances. He was not as prepared as he needed to be and fur trading was dying because silk had become the preferred hat material. Fort Hall still held on to its prominence after the fur traders moved out because so many settlers were heading for the northwest. The discovery of gold in 1860 convinced people to stop traveling through the area and to stay and settle. The Port Neuf Valley, of which Pocatello is a part, became a hotspot where stage and rail lines came through. Union Pacific Railroad founded Pocatello Junction. By 1882, the place was an agricultural center that grew grain and, of course, potatoes. In 1889, the town of Pocatello was founded. Many of the historic buildings from Pocatello's earliest days still exist today. One of those buildings is Pocatello High School. The school was built in 1892 and named Westside School. The building featured a belfry, gables, and arched windows. All grades attended classes in the same school. The school was a matter of pride for the city, and because of this, two presidents spoke at the school. Those presidents were Theodore Roosevelt in 1902 and William Howard Taft in 1908. The school thrived until 1914, when a fire broke out. A boiler had apparently started the fire. Students and teachers rushed to save what they could, and the fire department arrived on horse-drawn carriages. It was no use. The school was completely destroyed, burned to the ground. The town decided to rebuild the school in the former's footprint. Students met on the lawn and in churches while they waited for the new school to be built. The new school was finished in 1917. The school was expanded in 1939 and a gymnasium was added. Major renovations were done in 1996 and a new gymnasium was completed in 2006. The school would seem to be a typical high school until one hears about the supernatural occurrences that have been experienced within the school. A peculiarity of this high school is that a real skeleton was used in science classes. Obviously, the school decided this was not a good idea, and they switched to using a plastic skeleton. Apparently, the spirit behind the skeleton was not happy about the switch. Science teachers started finding bones from the real skeleton tucked inside cabinets and in other places within the science department. Which always makes you wonder, was it a school prank? And wow, I wonder how often, because I'd never thought about this, but I wonder how often this happened in some of these older schools that they were using real skeletons. Was that something that went on back in the day? Because, I mean, obviously nowadays that would be big no-no. So it just makes you wonder. Yeah, I would think because if they needed one for science and for study, they didn't have all the 
acrylics and things we have, so it makes sense they would just use a real skeleton for somebody who donated their body or not. Sure, I don't know what... (laughs) (laughs) Or not. Or somebody donated it for them. (laughs) So where did Aunt Jane... No. You know what's funny is that you would think that there would be more hauntings in association with the skeleton because they were using the skeleton and the body wasn't at rest rather than being upset that, hey, they traded me in for plastic. I don't know. I think I'd rather be recognized than traded for plastic. Although, you know, with all the plastic surgery going on nowadays, a plastic skeleton probably is closer to what is accurate than the real deal nowadays. (laughs) And all the preservatives, (laughs) because especially in America, because Americans like decompose much slower than other countries. Then again, though, if you really think about it, there's that whole that's gotten tons of popularity, that whole display that goes across the United States where they're using... Body wars? Yeah, body wars where they're using real bodies for that because it's more accurate than what they have with the other things. So, Yeah, it seems like that's more of an accepted thing now. I remember when they first brought it out, there was a lot of people who there was a bit of a, I don't know if you'd call it an outcry, but there was a lot of people who weren't so sure that that was appropriate. For me personally, I don't want to go see it. No, you don't do well with real life bodies. It's just like horror movies where they're being slashed and splatted against walls and stuff. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, give me the fake stuff. You show me the real stuff, I'm done. Yeah, show her surgery and our host passes out cold. <laughs> it was in the 40s or 50s when two girls at the school decided that life for them was over. They made a pact with each other that they would commit suicide. Only one of the girls went through with the plan because the other chickened out. The girl who followed through with the horrible plan hung herself from her locker. She wore a distinctive perfume that is smelled in the hallways to this day. The most intense scent came from her original locker. It got so bad that her locker was finally removed. Custodial staff see a young girl's apparition in the hallways at night. Oh, what a horrible thing that would be. But I also wonder like, what the other girl went through. Because could you imagine some of the guilt that might be there too? Yeah, and I wondering, were, did they have this agreement like, we're both going to do this? Was it supposed to be at the same time, same day? I mean, obviously, they didn't do it like, was it going to be right next to each other unless her friend kind of set everything up and said, you go first? Or, But, you know, this wasn't just something from the 40s or 50s. I've heard recently about these suicide packs. And I remember back in the 80s when I was in high school and you were somewhat in high school still. <laughs> I was in high school until 82. Thank you. <laughs> That uh, <laughs> there were there was a lot going on around suicide because I remember we had a lot of the after school specials which they don't do those anymore do they I don't know so some of you younguns contact us and let us know yeah I don't think they do after school specials but I know there was a lot of them that were like that or they would do TV movie specials and they talked a lot about it in school and stuff I remember one of them I think it had Molly Ringwald in it where she committed suicide with her boyfriend. You know, they did. I wonder if TLC has kind of taken the place of that because it covers a lot of those issues there. Maybe. On several occasions, the tinkling of piano keys has been heard coming from the music room at night. When someone goes to investigate, there's never anybody found playing the piano. Toilets flush on their own when no one is in the restrooms. The same thing happens with the lights. They are repeatedly turned on and off and it gets so intense that police are called. The closed-circuit video that caught our attention features this light phenomenon. The video is considered to be the real deal because surveillance tape cannot be altered. The video also features what appears to be an apparition, and although some claim it could be something hanging from the front of the camera like a thread, the movement seems a bit too much like a human walking to convince us that it's just a string. There are other stories that we are not sure are true. 
One story claims a librarian hung herself from a chandelier in the library. Another story claims a boy drowned in the pool. The theater is very haunted, according to some staff and students. A girl or a large shadow is seen sometimes in the rafters, and the story behind this haunting is that a jealous understudy strangled the girl in the locker room below the theater and took her place in the play. Whispers are heard throughout the school, and no one is found in the areas from which the whispering originates. Apparently, six deaths, Denise, have been associated with this school, which is, I think, quite a a bit for, obviously, the school's been around for more than 100 years, but still, that's a lot for a high school. Well, for those to be in the school, like you might have a lot in the school without being a mass killing, like at different times, because, I mean, today's... That's true. That's true. I hadn't really thought about that, and being that we come from Colorado, where Columbine kind of started all this... I guess there are a lot of deaths that do happen at a high yeah. school now. But but for them to be separately, that's that's very different, not from one single person going off, that there's all these different things. Is there more spirit at Pocatello High School than just school spirit? Have the deaths of so many led to strange occurrences at the school? Do some students refuse to leave the school in the afterlife? Is Pocatello High School haunted? That is for you to decide. And this video that we have posted up on the blog has been featured in a ton of news stories all over the place. Probably a lot of our listeners have heard about it. So have a look. See what you think. You decide. That's the way the show runs. Our next show, Denise, is going to be on the legend of the devil's footprints. That sounds very creepy. (laughs) I thought we haven't done a legend show in a while, so maybe we should pop into another urban legend. So that's the one we're going to feature on the next show. Called Urban Legend and Devil. We're really going to creep those ones out. They're like, oh, I didn't like your this show. I didn't like your that show. All the, <laughs> the ones who creep out with the urban legends. It's like, oh, so we just decided to throw Satan into it. Hey, we try to have something for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you guys again for listening to the show. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Check out the website at historygoesbump.com.